Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This, uh, this morning we're looking at the second part of Ephesians 3, so verses 14 to 21, but we're really going to focus on verses 16 to 19 in particular. And I'm going to jump straight in um, without any funny or kind of funny anecdotes or stories um, because I really want to make sure we have time to respond. I really felt like God really impressed on me the importance of the response this morning and that it's for every single one of us. I want to make sure, especially um, my fellow parents, that you're able to have that response time as well because I know it can be tricky with getting kids and things. So we're going to jump straight in and read verses 16 to 19. We're going to read it in the Amplified um, translation and um, should come up behind me. Um, so, but before we do, um, you might not have done this since you're at school, maybe, but can you just like put your concentrating hat on? That's it. There's like three of you, put your concentrating hat on. Go on. Don't feel silly. We can all feel silly together. If it's a really, you know, tighten it on. Yeah. Great. Because this is a really quite a complex verse, couple of verses, and uh, it, there's a lot in there. So we're going to really, really concentrate. Are you concentrating hard? Good. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energised with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Good verse? Very good verse. A lot in there, right? Anyone else get to the last verse and forget what the first verse said? Because that happens to me. So for that reason, we're going to go through it bit by bit. And it's actually really important to bear in mind the thread running through this verse, because all these verses are connected, and we'll see that. So um, we're going to do this by looking really closely at Paul's choice of words. Um, And anyone who knows me will know I really like looking at the original words, the original Greek and what the words mean. And the reason for that is that there are um, connotations that are behind words, there are associations with words that are very related to cultural experience. So when we get, you know, translated word, we can miss a lot of that meaning. So it's so good to, I think, look at what, what the word would have meant to Paul, what he was trying to communicate, right? So we're going to start by looking at verses 16 to 17, and we're just, as I say, going to unpack it really, really gradually, because there's so much even in this verse. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory. Glory. Not a word that, it's very abstract, isn't it? Glory. What is Glory. His honour, his renown, his intrinsic and infinite worth. God gives to you from his intrinsic and infinite worth. The creator of heaven and earth, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Mighty God, he gives to you out of his intrinsic and infinite worth. If you've ever doubted your worth, remember that. That first sentence. To be strengthened by God's, to prevail by God's dominating strength. That's what that word means. So he gives to you out of his intrinsic and infinite worth so that you can be strengthened to prevail by God's dominating strength. So that, why does he do that? So that Christ may dwell. Now, that word for dwell, there's two words that Paul could have used um, in the Greek, and one means um, like a visitor, uh, sorry, a stranger visiting, like an Airbnb, kind of how I think about it. 
The word that Paul actually uses, though, is it means to permanently inhabit. It means to settle as a permanent resident. So he gives to you out of his intrinsic and infinite worth so that you can prevail by dominating strength so that Christ can dwell permanently in your heart. Your heart is your mind, your character, your will. How to do that? Through, because of your faith. Now, faith is not just kind of woolly belief. It's our confidence in him, our trust in him. And the definition of that word faith includes this idea that faith is something that God continuously births not just any believer, but in a yielded believer. So no matter how yielded you are to him, you still need God to birth faith in you continuously, right? So if we put all of that together, God gives to you out of the immensity of his intrinsic and infinite worth in order to give to you his dominating strength into your inner self, becoming a permanent resident in your innermost being and personality. He does this so that Christ may dwell in your mind, character and will because of your confidence and trust in him that God continuously births in you. Just from that verse, there is a strong sense, I get anyway, of our deep need for God, right? We need his strength so that Christ can dwell in our hearts. And we need him... It says that Christ dwells in our hearts through our faith, but we need him to birth that faith in us. We are so much more dependent on him than we realise. We need him so much more than we realise. And that verse just, oh, how he gives to us out of the riches of his glory so that all of these things can happen. It's amazing, right? That's just the first couple of verses. But, and, you know, as I say, we, we need, we, we're so dependent on him. And that really rings true for me because I don't know about you, but I often find myself resisting it. Yeah. <laughs> I often find myself doing things my own way mm-hmm. and um, resisting the fact that I know that I know that he gives to me. I know that he gives me his strength, but I resist it. And we'll come back to that later. And I just need to have, I'm getting a very dry mouth. Sorry if you heard that. Um, <clears throat> so next verse and this is a verse that we're really really going to focus on and may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love deeply rooted so we've got two ideas here we've got being rooted and being grounded these two ideas that Paul uses rooted it means being um, firmly fixed established secured st- stability what do roots do they keep a plant stable, firmly fixed to the ground, and they also seek out nourishment for the plant. Securely grounded. That word grounded is about foundation. Yeah. It's about his love being our foundation. Our foundation is the lowest load-bearing part of a building, below what others can see. Yeah. It holds the structure above it, keeps it standing, and so the strength of a building lies in its foundation. It lies in something you can't see. And it acts as a stabiliser against turbulence. So if we put that into the context of his love, as Christians, we're, we're to find our stability and our nourishment in his love. That means his goodwill, his esteem. Where his love is the load-bearing structure of our lives. Below what others can see, his love is what keeps us standing and keeps us stable in times of turbulence. Does anyone feel they need that at the moment? I do. But we can easily miss something in this sentence, which is really, really exciting. Um, The two words, having been. Now, it's really exciting because um, that is the the perfect passive participle. I'll try that again and this time go, ooh, right? Um, having been is the perfect passive participle. Ooh. Thank you, yeah. Now, that's exactly what I thought when I, when I first read it. I was like, okay, what does that mean? It means that the action has been completed in the past by someone else. 
God has already rooted us and grounded us in his love. Having been, it's an action completed in the past by someone else. So it's the perfect uh, passive participle. Yay! (laughs) And that's really good news, Um, isn't it? It's really good news. And we may ask, um, very rightly so, and, and it's a good question, why is it that sometimes our experience doesn't reflect that? Um, that sometimes we might feel like a building with a weak foundation that crumbles when hit by bad weather, or sometimes we might feel like a plant with shallow roots that shrivels in hot sun. Because although the reality is that if we know Jesus, God has, having been, God has rooted us and grounded us in his love. Thank you, Lord. But... We need to allow that to be our reality. Yes, yes, yes. We need to allow his love to provide us with our stability and nourishment. Um, I heard an analogy a while ago <clears throat> that if you inherited a vast sum of money and it was put into your bank account, you would be just as cold and just as hungry as anyone else if you never accessed that bank account That's or right. Right. you didn't know how to. So we need to allow his love to be our stability and nourishment. And this is what it means, we can think about it in another way, is to have our identity in Christ. And I'll explain what I mean, and this is going to be really key for this morning. And hopefully might come up behind me about identity. Social psychologists have tried to define identity for a long time, and if you look it up, there are loads and loads of different definitions. Um, But essentially, this is what it boils down to. My identity tells me who I am, It gives me a sense of worth and value. It gives me a place to belong, to fit in, to contribute. And it enables me to be seen and acknowledged. And our identity can be built on pretty much anything. Um, And many of these things are are good things. So our identity could be built on our career, how well we do in our career. It could be built on our family. It could be built on our appearance, how others see us. And Christian apologist um, Timothy Keller, who I tend to quote a lot, um, he said, when we look to these good things, they're good things, to give us what only God can give, they become ultimate things. And he says, to help us identify what these things might be, you can ask yourself, what thing, if you lost it, would drain you of your significance and value? Just take a moment to think about that. Because this, I really felt God say this is for every single one of us. What thing, if you lost it, would drain you of your significance and value? Another way of thinking it is, what, what's your worst fear? Because he says the problem is, no created thing can hold the weight of your soul's desires. Yeah. Anything that we build our identity on that is not Christ and his love will ultimately fail. Yes, 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 that's true. And, you know, before we come to know Jesus, we tend to have our um, identity built on lots of different things. We get our stability and our nourishment for lots of different things, and then we come to know him, and we're like, wow, and we let some of those things go. And we're going to come back to that, because I don't think that's the end of the story. But before we do, we're just going to go through the rest of the passage because there are three things um, that that Paul says being rooted and grounded in his love enables. So being rooted and grounded in his love is is amazing in and of itself, right? But there's a purpose for it. There's a so that. So firstly, and it's sort of uh, verse 18 And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. So where it says, may you be fully capable, that means may you have, this is really interesting, may you have the strength for a difficult task. 
of comprehending, also another really interesting word. It means to seize hold of aggressively. It means to take with eager self-interest and to make it your own. It's sort of the connotation of that word is like plundering a city. <coughs> so being rooted and grounded in the love of God will give you the strength for the difficult task of aggressively seizing hold of with eager self-interest the extent of God's love. Isn't that interesting? Why is it a difficult task? I think Paul answers this in the next bit of the sentence where he says the width, the length, the height and depth of, of his love. I used to think that was just Paul's waffly way of saying big. <laughs> his love is so, you know, so high. You can't get under it so low. You can't get so, oh, wonderful love. Um, that's what I used to think it meant. And, but actually there's, there's so much more to it than that than it just being big, big because he's actually describing um, as physical dimensions the human experience of God's love so that we can some degree um, kind of wrap our heads around something that's actually unfathomable. He's trying to help us do that. And there's this brilliant quote um, by Matthew Henry, which again should come up on the screen behind me, that just explains this a little bit more. By the breadth of it, we may understand the extent of it to all ages, nations, and ranks of men. By the length of it, its continuance from everlasting to everlasting. By the depth of it, stooping to the lowest condition, with a desire to release and save those who have sunk to the depths of sin and misery. By its height, its entitling, and raising us up to the heavenly happiness and glory. Isn't that amazing? So, summarising, being deeply rooted and securely grounded in Christ's love, as we allow this to be our source of stability and nourishment, as we build our identity on that, then just as our roots, just as roots grow deeper and find that the earth goes deeper still, we will begin the hard task of understanding that we will never understand the extent of his love. <laughs> and... Sometimes we might, you know, when we read that verse, and I remember reading it and thinking it, thinking this is a bit circular. Paul is saying, may you be rooted and grounded in love so that you'll understand the extent of his love. Is that me or is that just, you go, that's an odd thing to say. I don't know, it just it's, it sounds kind of circular to me. And I thought, well, often we think it should be the other way around. That first I need to understand how far his love goes in order to, to trust it and build my life on it. But actually, that's the whole point of the gospel, right? The whole point of the gospel is that God has already rooted and grounded us in his love. He has already placed us in a right relationship with himself. He has already made us acceptable to him, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And that is our starting point. That is where we have to and always must start. And that helps us to start to understand a little bit of the extent of his love and understand we'll never understand it, right? We'll never understand it. We'll never discover, we'll discover, we'll never discover the end of it. And you know, when we, when I talked earlier about resisting him, when we come to him, we have to start from that place of I am rooted and grounded in your love. Another quote by Matthew Henry, which will come up behind me. How very desirable it is to have a settled and fixed sense of the love of God and Christ to our souls, so as to be able to say at all times, at all times, yes. he has loved me. Yes. Yes. A settled and fixed sense. Yes. And, you know, we might worry that if this is something that we focus on, that we become kind of lazy Christians uh, with a license to sin. Um, you know, has a settled and fixed sense of love for me, so I don't need to worry about what I do. But if we, are, if we have a truly settled and fixed sense of the love of God, it changes us, right? Yeah. I thought Steve Apple, when he was here a couple of weeks ago, I thought he put it so well. He said, you cannot flourish as a human being unless your heart is saturated in the love of God. That's right. Yeah, I thought that was so good. I think it was just a passing thing he said. Yeah. I know it wasn't the main point, but I was like, whoa, when he said it. 
And if this isn't your experience, that you don't feel that you are flourishing, then I'm going to suggest that maybe at the moment your heart isn't completely saturated in the love of God. And maybe you've resisted it. And I can relate to that, and I'm going to come back to it later. So that's our first thing. That's just our first thing, being, being uh, rooted and grounded in his love enables. The second thing is verse 19, that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Where we allow ourselves to find stability in and be nourished by his love, where we build our identity on his love, we will personally experience it and it will go beyond our knowledge and that means we will begin to perceive it where before we were blind to it where before we were in a situation where we couldn't see the love of God in it if we personally experience his love we will begin to see his love at work we'll understand what he's doing through his love does that make sense and thirdly being rooted and grounded in love means that you may be filled up throughout your being, to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. He doesn't say you have a little bit of God in a little bit of you, or all of God in a little bit of you, or some of God in all of you. He said you'll be full with the fullness, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Just take a moment and think, Oh, what would that look like? Maybe it would mean, I know for me, more patience. (laughs) If I'm just being really honest, more patience. Maybe it would mean more courage. Maybe it would mean knowing how to approach a difficult situation with a colleague or a restored relationship or asking for forgiveness or giving forgiveness could look like all different kinds of things there's another quote this time by Mike from Mike Bickle who's the leader of IHOP we love God only as much as we are aware God loves us our lack of fullness of God is because we cannot let God fully take control of our lives until we are convinced that he is trustworthy we cannot believe he is trustworthy if we are unaware of his love for us So we can see how these things are so connected. If we want to be full to his fullness, we first need to be settled and have that fixed sense of his love for us, right? So just recapping, having been rooted and grounded in his love, having our identity built on his love enables us to, one, have the strength for the difficult task of understanding the extent of his love, Two, to know his love through personal experience. And three, be filled up with the fullness of God. Yeah. So that's, those, are the, those are three of the purposes of being rooted and grounded in his love. Does anybody want that? Yes. Good. <laughs> so we're going to start to move towards a response now. And I know that sounds like it's really early. There's a few more things to talk through, but I'm just going to start thinking about it now. And the question is, and this is for every single one of us, what is your identity built on? What are you founded on and rooted in? What thing, if you lost it, would drain you of your significance and value? What are your worst fears? Because as we said earlier, when we come to Christ, we tend to you know, let a lot of those things go. But the Bible describes our life as a race. And even if we have been running that race with God for a long time, even if we have let many things go that we used to build our identity on, that we used to go to for nourishment, in this race there are obstacles, there are challenges, there are temptations. And what can happen is we can find ourselves beginning to build our identity on something that's not him, something that's not his love. And I think the longer you've known Jesus, sometimes the more subtle those things can be. And this isn't God cracking his whip. You evil sinner, sort it out. He's a father and he's saying the only foundation on which we can build our lives that will never crumble into dust is the love of Christ. 
Another quote, this time from Rick Warren, it's hard to say, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. <clears throat> he says, to have your identity hidden in Christ means that you abandon any image of yourself that is not from God, that you start believing what God says about you. I think probably every single one of us has an image of ourselves that is not from God in some way or form. Um, can I have the little table? Thank you. Um, so to help us think about what those things might be, what images we might have of ourselves, um, what things we might have been building our identity on. Thank you very much, beautiful assistant. Um, things that we might be getting our stability from, a nourishment from that's not him. I have a prop. Several props, actually. Da, 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 da. You can say, ooh, again. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> now, I'm going to let you into a little secret. As I said earlier, my daughter's been very poorly this week, which means my time has been somewhat limited. So some of these items are not quite as I planned them to be. I'm just going to say that now. You'll see what I mean when I come to it. Little caveat. So examples in this box are things that we might build on our identity on. Now, it's really important to say that I think pretty much all of the items in this box, if not all of them, they're not bad things in themselves, OK? Um, and it's, it's not bad if they're important to you. Actually, it's really important if some of them are important to you. Um, and really, really clearly want to say that this, none of this is a condemnation thing. None of this is, there's no shame, right? We've been reading about we're, we're, we're one man, we're one family. A couple of years ago, we, had, we did a series on a culture of grace, if anyone remembers that. And um, so we're, we're in this together. We're here for each other. And so if, if something that comes out of this box hits you like that and you feel ashamed, please know that shame is not from us. That shame is not from anyone in your family. And it's certainly not from God. Yeah. Right? So, and it might not be that it's a full-blown thing. It might not be that your whole identity is built on this thing. But it might be that um, it's starting to head that way. It might be in a small way. It might be very subtle. Um, and I really, I really don't believe that you're going to have to search or dig around. I really believe the Holy Spirit is going to show you and just go, that, as he did with me, which I'll share later. Um, and if he shows you nothing now, if genuinely you're not sure, that's okay. He'll show you at the right time. The most important thing is that right now you have an open heart. The most important thing now is you said to God, God, in fact, let's just take a moment. God, show me. Show me what that thing is. Because I want my stability to come from your love, my nourishment to come from your love. I want my identity to be built on your love. So let's have an open heart. And you know, it's probably loads of things, right? That for all of us, there's probably loads of things that we could relate to in this box. But God doesn't go, look at all of these things. Ah, because our heads would explode. He usually will just show us, you know, probably one thing at a time because that's usually all we can handle. He's very gracious and he's very patient, right? So now I'm going to hope that I've remembered to put everything in this box. First thing, can anyone see what these are for those who've got amazing eyes? Car keys. Now, you may think if you've got amazing eyesight that these are car keys to a really luxurious Skoda Fabia, but they're not. <laughs> they are, in fact, the car keys to a Ferrari Enzo or an Aston DB9, or a, Clive, give me another nice car. Bentley, Rolls, yes. One of those, my mind went blank. So this represents success. Maybe we feel that if we were to fail at certain things, we would lose our sense of worth or value. Now that could be anything, it could be Career. Do we have our identity built on our success in our career? Could be knowledge or intellect, achievements, talents. Could be money. Could be financial security. Could be possessions, right? You know, 
And I'm not saying it's wrong to have possessions, by the way, or nice possessions. But do, is our identity built on it? If we lost that thing, if we lost our success in that area, would we lose our significance and value? So that's the first thing. Second thing, what is this? It's a like button. <laughs> so that stands for approval. And this is probably true for all of us in some way or form. It's, you know, it could be being liked, being respected, being admired, being seen as special or unique. And if you feel like if you didn't have those things, if you lost, if someone didn't like you or admire you or respect you or whatever, that it would cause you to spiral, then maybe your identity is built on that thing. The next one is an interesting one. What is this? Oh. Bible. You may think, hang on a second. This is going a little bit not quite right. This is a very, very subtle one. Because, yes, we want to build our, have our stability in Christ and his love. But sometimes, very subtly, it can become other things. So it might be about being a good Christian. But when we feel like we've mucked up, does our worth and value plummet? About being fruitful or effective. Now, of course, that's a good thing. We want to be fruitful Christians, right? But that's not where our stability is. That's not where our identity is. Our identity is in Christ. It might be being perceived as spiritual. It might be um, even our serving, the way that we serve in, in church. It might be being right, being seen to be right in some way or form. So that's our next thing. What is this one? Yeah, we won't look too closely at that one. The magnifying mirrors are so unflattering. There we go. Let's put it that way, otherwise it's probably going to shine light everywhere. Has anyone got a light shining in their eyes, or are you okay? No, hopefully it's all right. So this one stands for appearance. So do we feel that if we didn't have certain things to enhance our appearance, we would lose our sense of worth or value? Could look like loads of different things. Could be our clothes. Clothes are good things. They're important. Could be makeup. Could be our weight. Could be our physique. Um, tattoos or piercings. Last one from this bit. Where's it gone? What's that say? Love. Love. Relationships. Stands for relationships. Now, it could be all different kinds of things, like Friendships. How do we feel if someone doesn't like us or friendship goes down swanny? Does it affect our identity, our sense of worth and value? Relationships. Do we feel worth something if we're with another person or is our identity in that person and how they see us? Family. Being a good parent. It's good to be a good parent or want to be a good parent, but is our identity built on it? Child's, our child's approval or our parents' approval being needed. So that's kind of the examples that we've got for identity. And it is not exhaustive. So, but hopefully it's just kind of sparked some ideas to think about what might it be for me. And as I say, you know, it doesn't need to be a huge thing. It's just something where you might go, oh, actually, yeah. I've noticed maybe that's been a bit of an issue recently. That's okay. And the important thing to remember is that ultimately, these are good things, but ultimately they'll fail you. They'll fail you. Only the love of Christ doesn't fail you. But inevitably, as I say, because of these things will inevitably fail us, sometimes we will turn to something in, well, I'm going to say in another box, but I only had one box, so pretend this is a different box. Can everyone see what that says? Peace. When these things fail us, we want to regain a sense of peace. 
And there are some things in this box which are examples of that. And again, there are, please, especially with this box, no condemnation, no shame, right? Chuck that out. Again, this is for all of us. Um, and although there are some things in this box that aren't good for us, there are some things that are good things, again. Um, and uh, the, for those ones, it's important to think, is this a tool or a crutch? Is this something I use to kind of... Because some of these things are great for, you know, like stress relief or whatever. But is it a tool or is it a crutch? Does it prevent us from going to God? Does that make sense? Yeah. When, do we, when we feel stressed, when times are hard, what do we turn to? First one. <laughs> if anyone's wondering, this is Colin's about 35-year-old N64 controller, which I have pinched. Um, this stands for entertainment. So that could be social media. Um, it could be like scrolling through stuff. It could be it could be gaming. It could be TV. It could be music. So any, anything like that where we're stressed and we turn to those things. As I say, you know, you might have great coping strategies for when things are hard, and that's that's great. I'm talking more about a crutch that stops us from going to God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Now this next one. say it with all the compassion in the world because this is something that I've struggled with in the past and so I want to be really clear there's no condemnation okay there's no shame food maybe overeating or maybe undereating and this can be a really really tricky one so I just want to be really clear this is something you struggle with. Please don't struggle alone. And go see your GP as well. Okay? So food. It could be that that's, that's our way of dealing with stress. I'm running out of space on the table. This one is also... be a tricky one. <coughs> fantasy. Do we get lost in fantasy when... We are struggling. And a really, really, really common, really common example of this that we talked about a couple of years ago when we talked about a culture of grace is pornography. And again, no shame. There's no shame, okay? It's a, it's a really, really common issue. Is that what we turn to when we're stressed, when we need to self-medicate in some way? And the last one, this is what I meant earlier when I said you're going to have to use your imagination a little bit. It's a bottle of Robinson squash, or at least it looks like a bottle of Robinson squash. But it represents, yeah, it could be alcohol, could be substances, those kind of things that we might turn to when we're feeling stressed. So just really importantly to think about, before we respond in a minute, I'm going to suggest that these things don't actually provide the peace that we're looking for. What they actually do is this. Can everyone read that? Distraction. They don't give us the peace we're longing for, the peace from God, which is what actually what we're looking for. And I think it's actually really helpful to think about what is the peace of God? What does that mean? What does that look like? And the biblical understanding of peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Inward sense of wholeness, well-being, good health. Not just a distraction, not a temporary relief. But it's even more than that. There's this amazing quote from Firm Israel about Shalom, which come up by me again. Um, While the modern understanding of peace is looking for a break from life's turmoil, 
a biblical understanding of peace addresses our hearts. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing. There is a point at which you have so much shalom that it spills out from you, and so you make others peaceful and inwardly complete. Yes. When I read that, it was like, that's the difference. Because the reason why these things, or one of the reasons why these things don't give us the peace that we're actually longing for, that we're actually yearning for, is because our hearts remain unchanged. And so they do absolutely nothing in helping us to become more whole. And maybe that's why we resist the peace of God. That's maybe why we go to these things. Because actually, to go to God changes our hearts and we don't want to do that sometimes right and I realized this is why Philippians 4 says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and I realized that's what it is because when we present our requests to God with thanksgiving, with authentic, true thanksgiving, that has required us to take our eyes off ourselves and our situation, and it's required us to put our eyes on him and who he is and what he's done. And that allows, enables the peace of God to rest on us, the wholeness his completeness, his complete well-being to rest on us. And that is very different from distraction. Very, very different. Um, I'm going to ask someone to come up and play. Is Toby or Lionel going to come and play? Thank you very much. Um, because we're going to start to move towards a response. And uh, with somebody playing, I think it just helps us feel less awkward. And it also moves us from, I'm now listening, to responding. And I'm just going to share very, very quickly my own recent experience of this, about identity and peace. And the first thing is with identity is God showed me, this was quite recently, um, that my identity had become to be built on being a good mum. And uh, again, as I say, it's not a bad thing to want to be a good mum. But I realised that I'd begin to, I started to build my identity on it because whenever I, I felt like I'd mucked it up, which is a lot, I would just kind of crumble. And I would look at other people who were just parenting amazingly and, oh, flip neck, you know. Um, and it would really, really impact me. And God showed me this. And, um, and it was a very simple thing of just God showing me and just going, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've built my identity on that recently and um, I don't want to anymore Lord I give that to you thank you that my identity is on your love my stability is from your love my nourishment is from your love peace so completely separately actually to the the identity thing God has been speaking to me about some things that have been really hard to process and um, my response was for a while to hide my heart from him. So for a while I wasn't turning to him in the way that I usually would. I wasn't seeking nourishment from him in the way I usually would. This wasn't conscious thing. And that's really important because sometimes it might not be, you know? And so over time, I started to have things come up that hadn't come up for a long time. And I just couldn't fight them off. And my way of distraction, keeping myself busy. That was my thing, right? Keeping myself busy. Anything so that I wouldn't have to take my heart to God. But I finally did. I finally realised, ah, this is what I'm doing. And I took my heart to God and I, it was really simple. Again, I just said, God, I'm really sorry that I've been hiding my heart from you and I've been just avoiding you. (laughs) I've been avoiding getting my my nourishment from you. And I started to read about peace. I felt God say to read about peace and I was reading about it. And as, just as I even did that, it was like, why did I not do this ages ago? <laughs> His peace just came on me. And it's really interesting because 
as I shut my Bible, I was just about to go to bed. And I got a phone call from a friend. Um, she's not a Christian. She was really distressed. And she was telling me what was going on. And um, I asked, can I pray? And she said, yes. So we prayed. And it hit me as I was praying. I was like, if she'd have called me an hour ago, I'd have been trying to do this out of a place of my own inner turmoil. That's right. Mm -hmm. but thank you, Jesus, that she called me now. Thank yeah. you. Because now I can do this from a place of my own peace. And that shalom yeah. can spread out from me. Like we were saying earlier, it can, it can spread out and make others more peaceful, make others more perfectly complete and draw others to him. And in both cases, it really was as simple as confessing it to God. So we're going to, if we could stand, and we're going to respond to this now. And this is not going to be complicated. It's going to be really simple. So first, and as I say, this is for every single one of us, okay? Every single one of us. First, just ask God to show you Areas where you might have built or started to build your identity on things other than him and his love and where you might be searching for peace and things other than him. I just want to say maybe that thing is really painful to think about. So I just want to remind us that we are rooted and grounded in his love. That is the support structure that keeps us standing. And that we can trust his love. We can trust the extent of his love. All we have to do is look at the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ to know that we can trust his love for us. So it might be that something has come to mind. And now we'll, simply all we're going to do is just confess that to him and just say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this thing has been where I found my identity or this thing has been where I found my peace. So just confess it to him. It's really, really simple. Thank you, Father. And I know this is a... can feel conscious, self-conscious. So you might be saying it under your breath. That's okay, as long as you're saying it. As long as you're confessing it, as long as you're giving it to God. And now, tell him what you want your identity to be built on. <laughs> Where you want to get your peace from. as I say, it's a really, really simple thing. And God, in his wisdom, it might be that he, um, today, that's it. It might be that that's the case. Amazing, if so. Or it might be that you start to notice things that you didn't notice before. You start to notice the way you make decisions. You start to notice the way you react to things. You start to notice the way you feel about things. And you go, ah, that's why. And that will be, the Holy Spirit will just be very gently pointing those things out to you and just allowing you to make different choices, to react differently, to think differently, you know, going, oh, this thing has really affected how I see myself. It's really affected this, that or the other. Father, thank you that my, my identity is built in your love. 
thank you that my stability comes from your love yes. and not from my career, yes. not from my appearance, yes. not from my, how my family see me or how this person sees me or this relationship or that. Father, thank you that you are my stability. Your love is my stability. Thank you that I can trust your love. Thank you that the extent of your love is such that I will never, I will never understand the extent of your love. I will never get my head around it. And that might be what happens. That might be something that you walk with God through. And if this morning you don't know what those things are, yeah, that's okay. God will show you at the right time. Thank you, Father. So that's it, really simple. And I felt it was important just to keep it simple because I don't want it to be the case where we feel like something is dependent on how we feel right now. Does that make sense? But actually, the power is in God and his word and what he says. So I felt it was important to keep it simple. To finish, before Sarah comes up with the, the highlights, we're going to read verses 20 to 21 together. Okay? And I remember I said at the beginning we were going to come back to it, and we finally have. So we're going to read verses 20 to 21 together. After three, one. And wait, we're not going to read it, sorry. We're going to declare it. <laughs> we're going to declare it because this is just amazing considering what we've been talking about, right? So we're going to declare it together over ourselves, over us as a family. We're going to declare it. So after three, one, two, three. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good. Thank you, Father, that you, you are just a good God that your love is so amazing, your love is so wonderful, that your love is just, oh, the breadth of it, the length of it, the height of it, and the depth of it, we just cannot get our heads around. And Father, we want that love to be our identity, where our identity is. We want our, your love to be where our stability is, where our nourishment comes from. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word cleanses us, your word encourages us and challenges us. And Father, I just pray that as we leave this place this morning, that we would be are full of your fullness. Yes. Lord, that we'd be full of your fullness and that we'd be able to remember that we are rooted and grounded in your love. That if we remember nothing else from this morning, Lord, that we are rooted and grounded in your love. Thank you, Father. Let's thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.